Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Ray. Hi. Can you all hear me? So, yes, my name is Ray. I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic, anorexic, and I am psyched to be here. (laughs) Hi. Um, So, tomorrow is my 28th year. Uh, My 28th birthday is tomorrow. God willing. Um, So, you know, I was meditating this morning because I do that every morning. I take a half an hour. I get up very early, and I set my clock, my, my timer, for a half an hour. And I do the first three steps, and then I, well, I'll get back to that. Why do I do it? Okay, so one of the things that I do is I ask for, like, a direction for the day, right? So one of the things that came up today was be vulnerable, which is really hard um, for me because I want to look like I have it all together, even though I never have it together. Um, but then I heard... I used to pray for cancer. And I thought, oh, that's a good opener. And then I'll just leave the rest to God. Um, also, congratulations to the chip takers, the birthday people, and welcome to all the newcomers. This is an amazing program. If you don't hear what you need to hear, go to another meeting. They recommend six meetings before you make any decisions. So there's that. So I used to pray for cancer because if I had cancer, I'd be thin. <laughs> I used to pray to be homeless because homeless people were thin. Not all of them, but some of them had pretty rockin' hard biceps, you know, and I was like, great, I'd like that. Um, I would pray, I was living in New York at the time, I was living in Manhattan when I, when I came into program, I was 26 at the time, do the math, I'm, gonna, I'm 54. So, um, so anyway, so I came in. And um, I used to pray to get hit by a subway train every day. Have a bus hit me. It's fine. It's all good. I don't want to do it myself, but if somebody else wants to take me out, I'm good with it. So that's kind of how I went through my life. Now, there are people who will say they were isolating, all this kind of stuff. I was none of those things. I was engaged. I was in the profession of my choice. And um, I had a good body. And I knew it, but I couldn't hold on to it. That's what drove me insane, was I was either trying to get somewhere or keep something or all of these things, and so I tried everything. I, you know, I believe that, um, that I was born with this disease. I believe it. I've seen it in my family. It's on both sides. It's there. But I had a real good, a real good motivator to, like, get me on board with dieting. So my mother, my father's family was obese. My mother was terrified I was going to be obese. She took me to Weight Watchers at 9. And I was the youngest person there, and that was interesting. Um, and so that started my life of dieting and that there was something wrong with me. I didn't know at nine there was something wrong with me, but all of a sudden I heard there was something wrong with me, therefore there's something wrong with me. And so that's kind of what I knew my whole life was that there's something wrong with me. I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not special enough, whatever it was. But it mostly had to do with being thin. 
So I was doing all these diets as a kid. I was never severely overweight, but, um, you know, if you if you see another podcast, just delete it because it's the same podcast, basically. So um, with my name on it, not anybody else's, but mine. Um, we all have different stories. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I started dieting, and... Um, and the ki- and all of my friends were super thin because kids were outside playing all the time. We didn't have like large portions. Everything was small in those days, you know, like little little portions. But I could always eat more than everybody else, and I had a I had a really big appetite, and so I could just eat. And so I learned how to feel bad about myself because I was heavy. I wasn't fat, but I was a heavy kid. And so my mother was always trying to get me on a diet. She took me to a nutritionist. I, I went to a diet doctor where I got injected with hormones, urine. I don't know what the hell they injected me with. I did it. And, um, and I was really, really, really good at dieting, like so good at dieting. But the truth is I never was severely overweight. I've been 30 pounds overweight, and I've been probably 10 or 15 pounds lighter than I am now. When I came into the program, I was lighter than I am now. So that's fine. Um, but what happened was, with all this stuff going on in my life, um, and I was waitressing to support my, my habit of my, my career, and um, my manager said to me, I must have been asking her if I looked fat all the time. God knows I wouldn't do that to anybody, but, you know, if you asked me on the subway, or if you looked at me, I'd probably be like, don't look fat. You know, that's kind of how I went through life. So... <laughs> I guess she heard it a lot. And so she said to me, you know, if you go to an, an OA meeting, they'll help you stay on your diet. Okay, sure, great, I'm there. You know, so I went to the first OA meeting, and um, my first OA meeting in Manhattan for newcomers, and what I heard was, there's hope, there's a, there's a solution, and that it can be done, and it's not your fault. That's all I needed to know. I was there from the beginning, and I was like, I'm in, I'm in, 12 weeks, 12 steps, I'm good, so that's what I did, I did 12 steps in 12 weeks, I wasn't cured though, so I was like, what the hell's wrong with this thing, but I could see things were changing, and what I, what I really, you know, I talk about this woman, Basha, who used to be in these meetings, I don't know if she still is, um, but she had such a peace and a calm and a serenity about her. I just loved her. I loved her. Because I heard my story in her. And I heard that you could get better. And so I had hope. Like, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm in. Like, I will do whatever it takes. Because I could, I, I could do whatever it takes. I did all that. I, I did crazy shit. So I, I was like, okay, so you tell me to work the steps, find a God, get a sponsor. Okay, I can do that. That's easier than anything I've been doing thus far. And so I started going to probably five or six meetings a week. I started meditating. I started calling my sponsor. I started reaching out to people. And things started to change. They just did. I had a new perception. I had a new way of thinking. I had a sponsor who said to me, when you come into these rooms, the math no longer adds up. It doesn't add up. I said, what does that mean? She said, well, you think if you eat 500 calories a day and you exercise for two to three hours a day and you take laxatives, that's your math. I'm like, yeah, that, that works. So she said, yeah, it doesn't anymore. That's gone. You can't do that anymore. It doesn't matter what you put in your body. It doesn't matter how much you exercise. This is a spiritual program. You've tried that way. It doesn't work for you. Okay, what does that mean it's a spiritual program? It means that you have to turn your food and your body over to God. I was like, what? 
Sorry, I'm going Fudge, no. Fudge, no, I'm not doing it. So, um, so I didn't. Uh, and, but I was willing. I was willing to listen. I was willing to say, maybe, maybe. And then I heard somebody else say at a meeting, leave a bite on your plate for God. Okay, I can try that. Don't take seconds. I can try that. So I just kept coming to meetings and hearing what people were doing. And I was like, yeah, I can try that. And then somebody would say, I'm giving up flour and sugar. And I'm like, I can't do that. I come from restricting. I can't do that. So my way is to open it up because I come from from eating lettuce with mustard. That's my go-to. Like, whoa, we're going to party with lettuce and mustard, you know. Um, I didn't didn't eat the, the cupcakes except when I was binging. And then that was a whole other thing. But... Um, I needed to open up my palate. I needed to go to more. Th- I had one restaurant in New York City that I could go to. It was macrobiotic, and it had to be at 6 o'clock. If it was at 6.30, no. So I had all these rules, right? So I had to throw them out. So another woman in this program who I admire greatly would say, I fear no dressing room, no menu, and no country. And I was like, come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, country. I mean, if I'm going out of the country, I'm bringing my food with me. And that's kind of how I traveled. I traveled with uh, half my suitcase was filled with food because I was so terrified that I couldn't get my stuff. So now I fear no dressing room. I fear no country. And I fear no menu. I was just on a... Uh, uh, my, my daughter is looking at college. I have two children. That's another thing. I have two children that I've had since in this program. And that man that I was engaged to 28 years ago, I'm still with. We've been together 35 years. These are my numbers. Like, you know, I've been in program 28 years. I have a 21-year-old. I have a 17-year-old. And I've been with the same man for 35 years. That's my numbers. You want to talk about sizes or weight? I don't know what my weight is. I don't weigh myself. That's something I threw out. I threw out the scale really early on because it only makes me crazy. Even through my pregnancies, I didn't weigh myself. So, because um, it just, it's never the right number. It just isn't. It just, it sets me up. There's no point to it. So, okay. So, I, um, I started listening to people in these rooms. So, oh, so I was going on this cross-country, uh, not cross-country, uh, East East Coast trip with my daughter in a car, seven days, alone with my daughter, 17-year-old, girl, okay, um, so I was a little concerned about all of this, and, but I wasn't concerned about where I was going to eat, that never occurred to me, I ate at Dunkin' Donuts, I ate, like, I found, I found, like, the healthy thing at Dunkin' Donuts, you know, if there is such a thing, but, um, but I didn't, I, like, I ate what was ever on the menu, that was not the point of the trip. The point was for me to be of service to my daughter and to help her see these colleges. That, that was my job. Just drive her around. That's it. She set up the, she set up the hotel. She set up the tour. She, she did everything. I just was there to drive her. And I have to tell you, it was such an amazing trip. And if I hadn't been in this program, I would have been running along the side of the road every night for a couple of hours, every morning. Instead, I woke up every morning to meditate with my daughter in the room with me. She doesn't think it's crazy. She doesn't do it. She doesn't think it's nuts. What I would have been doing was getting up early to go run across the road or find a gym somewhere, find a class, whatever, you know. And then we had to make sure that we got to the right place at the right time so I could eat the right meal. None of that. What a gift. What a gift for me 
to have that experience and to not have my daughter have to take care of me. She's not there to take care of me so that she can make sure that I eat. The only thing she's concerned about is I have low blood sugar. So she's like, are you cool, Mom? Do you need, do you need to stop for a snack? And I'm like, no, I'm good. So she knows to do that. So that was what it was kind of like. It was, it was hell. There was, there was just no break from it. It was just full-on hell. I was always wrong. I used to wake up and go, I either did something wrong the night before because I ate something I wasn't supposed to eat, or I'm wrong because I don't like the way my pants fit. I mean, I just, I didn't go out. I didn't go out. I, um, I had colitis because I was always eating crazy foods and my stomach would blow up and, and I, then I couldn't go out because I couldn't fuck on my pants and, you know, and I, and I just remember like thinking, this is no way to live. But I didn't know there was anything else until I came in these rooms. And I heard people like Basha, and I heard people like the woman who said, you know, leave a bite for God, because if you haven't gotten it by that last bite, you're not getting it, you know? And I thought, she's right. She's totally right. So I, and, and, and now, I've had a little bit of body stuff come up. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I don't go, oh, shit, I got to shoot sugar. I, I have to... Um, you would not know that I was once a school teacher for very young children. So anyway, um, anyway, um, I apologize for that. So uh, um, I I have completely lost my train of thought. So um, uh, so um, what would we sugar? I did say sugar, um, which my mother said. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Yeah, so it was it was really um, it was very 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 challenging getting through the day, um, because like just doing the math, the constant math, the math, the math, the math. I just couldn't wait to get rid of the math. I used to write everything down: how many calories, how much I was burning. You know, I didn't know that laxatives were a form of bulimia because when I came in here, people just talked about vomiting. This was a long time ago. Um, I was taking laxatives. I didn't know. My first year in program, I continued to diet, which is why I say I have 28 years of abstinence because my abstinence has nothing to do with my food. This is just for me. My abstinence has to do with if I am working a program, I am abstinent. That's all I need to do because my program gets me to have a, um, a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. That's the result I get is a spiritual awakening. So that's all I need to know. So if I work these steps, the body will take care of itself. The job will take care of itself. I'm still a little confused about the job. I have a career that I'm, you know, I would like more clients and all this kind of stuff. But the truth is I work for God. I work for God. When I get that straight, I'm okay. When I, today, when I realized, when I, when I, realized I was having to do this again today because I've been nervous about it all week, and I thought, I'm speaking for God. I'm not speaking for anybody else. I'm just speaking for God. I heard somebody speak the other day. He was so brilliant. And he talked about service and surrender. And when I surrender, nothing wrong is going to come out of my mouth because I'm not in charge of it. I'm not in charge of anything. So if I surrender my body, I'm no longer in charge of this. I don't have to worry about it. It's going to take care of itself. If I surrender my food, like today, this morning, when I was having breakfast, I was like, all right, you let me know when I'm done, because I'm feeling kind of hungry, 
and a little, I was, I felt like I wanted to eat quickly. And I thought, no, slow down, take a breath, find out what God wants for you on your plate, find out how much. So I realized I don't have to go to a diet anymore. I don't have to go, I'm feeling a little weird about my body, therefore I need to go diet. I need to go exercise. I need to go do something to make it better. I don't have to do any of that stuff. All you have to do is go, you might want to do another meeting this week. Maybe you call your sponsor a little more. Maybe you do some writing. Maybe you read some literature. Not once do I think about, I need to work on this. I think about, what step can I, can I work on? How can I be of service to somebody else? Um, that's kind of how I live my life these days. That's the big change for me, is the minute I start getting in my head about how am I going to solve this problem, my, my son, some of you know, has this disease. And um, he's coming to live with us this summer. And I'm concerned. You know, because it's hard to be around somebody who's active. And so, and I don't know if he is. He may not be. I'm not sure. I honestly don't know. I stay out of it. Um, so I have to go, okay, so that's not happening today. So for today, everything's taken care of. But when I need help and I try to go, well, what if God just goes, I got this. I got this. You don't need to worry about this. Stay close and we're going to be cool. You know, it's when I start to walk away and I go, I got this. I'm good, everything's cool, that's when I run into trouble. That's when I run into trouble in this program. I came in underweight, I had to gain weight because I was eating 500 calories a day, exercising like crazy and taking um, laxatives. And so I went up, but I was so willing. I just didn't care. I just didn't want to be insane anymore. I wanted the serenity that Basha had. I wanted her serenity so desperately. So I was just like, okay, I'm willing to go there. And then once I started to accept my body exactly how it was, that's when weight started to come off. And I was like, this is crazy. Do people know about this? You know, I mean, like, it was insane. It was insane. And I've said this before. I felt like Dorothy. All I had to do was click my heels. All I had to do was click my heels. All that work, all that worry, all that stress for nothing. For nothing. All I had to do was say, God, you take it. I can't do it anymore. Thank you. So I'm really grateful for that. And um, I'll, I'll take one more minute, and then I'll take some questions. What it, what it looks like today, I share at meetings. I speak at meetings. I um, come to meetings. I do one, two, and three every morning. I do a 10-step when I'm feeling resentful. I promptly admit when I'm wrong. I, I mean, and, and I pray and meditate. So I'm working these steps all the time because I never habit. When I thought I had it in program, it was a real problem. Weight started to come back on. I wasn't being as, as, I wasn't as much as service to my fellows. I saw it happening. And I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, I was meditating one day, and, it's, and it was like, you took, the, you took it over. You took it over. You took it back. So it's a daily reprieve. That's what I have to remember. Daily, daily reprieve. I never have this. Ever. I am one, one thing away, whatever that thing is, whatever that trigger is, from being back in it. But now I have the tools, and I'm so, so grateful for them. And thank you so much for letting me share here today. Okay, that was a little all over the place. Hi. Would you like to ask a question? Yeah. Um, thank you very much. Sure. You 
started about talking about your 30 minute daily meditation. What do you do in that 30 minutes? Okay, so, oh yeah, so the question was, uh, I start my day with a 30-minute meditation. What do I do during those 30 minutes? Well, when I first started uh, doing this real um, commitment of 30 minutes, I, I, there's apps. I used apps on my phone because I needed a guided meditation uh, just because I couldn't sit still for 30 minutes. So that was very, very helpful. And then I started to go, yeah, not so much. I want to do this on, on my bandwidth. So I, um, I, I do the first three steps. I do step seven. Um, and then I just, I have a mantra that I use that somebody gave me that I could give to any of you. I can't do it over here because it's, it's an outside issue, but it doesn't matter to me. But it's just to focus. That's all it's for. And I just sit there. My dog knows it. My cat knows it. Well, it's my, my son's cat. He knows it. Like, nobody bothers me when I'm in my meditation, you know. But it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Thank you. Monica? Thank you, Ray. Um, can you talk about how you sponsor? The question is, how do I sponsor? Okay. Well, <laughs> I love sponsorship because it keeps me spouting program. Because I, you, all I can do is share my experience, strength, and hope and program. Other than that, I have no opinion. And I will say to somebody, I, I have no experience in that area. Like, I have sponsees who are like, what about dating? I'm like, I've never had a date in my life. I've had one date. I can't help you with dating. I'm sorry. Go call somebody else, you know? So with my sponsees, I hope they're grown-ups. They set their own agendas. I let them know they can call me as much or as little as they want. I want them to be doing their step work. If I hear them in resentment or whatever, crazy, I will direct them to a step. Um, but I kind of let them find their own program. I have sponsees who weigh and measure. I have sponsees who no sugar, no flour. My, my, um, my sponsor does no sugar or flour. She's successfully done that for over 30 years. She doesn't care that I eat sugar and flour. It doesn't matter to her at all. We're all trying to figure out what works best for us. That's my job is to find out what's best for my sponsee that works for me, too. And we're just supporting one another. It's a, com it's a community thing. Hi. Hi, thank you for your share. Can you talk about your relationship with your higher power before and after going into the program? Yes, I can. So the question was, what was my relationship before and after coming in? Okay, I always felt I had God in my life. Always, always, always. I felt I had a guardian angel. And then I felt the guardian angel moved. And my first meeting, the first meeting in Manhattan, which was a newcomer's meeting, the, the person would comment on the shares. It's fine. I was okay afterwards. But um, so would she, would she, I talked about this guardian angel. And I said, and I was devastated. I said, you know, it moved. And it was devastating when it moved. And she just looked at me and she said, who moved? Okay. So I realized, like, I had to do some work. You know, I had to go out to God for God to come to me. God exists whether I believe in God or not. It doesn't matter. If God exists, doesn't exist, doesn't matter to me. My life is better as a result of believing in God. That's what I know. And I've seen miracles come to pass in my life and others as a result of that belief. So it doesn't matter to me if somebody believes in God or not. For me, it's important. It, it makes my life better. And I continue to enhance that spiritual connection throughout the day. All day long, I'm like, okay, God, what do I do now? What's my next right action? That's, that's how I work with my higher power now, and it's 
It's worked pretty well. <laughs> Hi. Hey, how did you pick your sponsor? The question is, how did I pick my sponsor? Um, I've had so many. It's in. It's just insane how many I've had. Um, my first one I chose because. She was a firefighter in New York City in the 80s. <laughs> female, okay? Like, female firefighter in the 80s didn't happen. She was hardcore. And I was like, I want a badass for my sponsor. And she was, man. She's like, 12 steps in 12 weeks, do it, you know? Like, so <laughs> that relationship did not last, sadly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the truth is, I've, they come at the right time. The sponsor I have right now, I've had with me for a few years. And it's just like I just hear something, and I just go, I need to ask that person. I need to ask them. And, you know, they say no. And if I really need them, I'll be like, I'll badger them a little bit. I'm like, come on, you know, and maybe they'll say yes. Um, but basically, you know, I look to who's raised their hand. What's, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not a big deal. I, I mean, sponsors have left me. Like, so, you know, it's not a good match. It's fine. It's no, it's no judgment on anybody. So if somebody raises their hand and I need a sponsor, I'm going over there. At least they'll, they'll work the steps with me, if nothing else. You know, that's what I'm here for, I think. Did that answer your question? Yes. Okay, good. Hi. Um, how did the program um, show up in how you raised your children? How did the program show up in how I raised my children? Well, let's see. Um, you know, with my son, it's difficult because he does have this disease. Um, so... I just, uh, I've been there for him and, and really tried to um, let him know that this program exists for him. As far as my daughter, I don't tell her there's anything wrong with her. My mother, still to this day, I count it to the minute when she will look at me and go, I miss your red hair. <laughs> okay? Like, I'm serious. That's what my mother does. And it's not out of, out of hatred. She just, you know, she's trying to help me. I really believe that. Um, she really is. She just, you know, she doesn't, she didn't understand. So she, this is how it works with my daughter. So, so my mother says to me, she needs a trim. She's got a thing with hair. So I'm like, um, I said, really? You know, Mom, I, she doesn't want a trim. If she wanted one, she's 17. She can come to me and let me know she needs a trim, right? And she said, you should say something to her. <laughs> so I said, well, yeah, but if I say that to her, Mom, then I'm letting her think that I think there's something wrong with her that she doesn't think is wrong with her. Why would I start that conversation with her? And she kind of was like, well, you know, she doesn't understand. <laughs> but she doesn't. She doesn't understand. You know, God bless her. Like, she's, she really does this stuff out of love. I truly believe that. Um, but I don't do that to my daughter. She's perfect exactly the way she is with whatever, you know, like, that's what I've learned about myself. Like, God sees me as perfect. I don't have to see myself as perfect. God sees me as perfect. Acting from that premise, I'm okay today. So that's kind of how I've done it with my children. That's a little smidgen right there. Thanks. Thank you.